Art is important. Art is a way of life. Art highlights the quality of our lives. Art is not about the numbers. It's about finding something that can change your life, can touch your heart. An amazing source of freedom and voice. Art is the expression of our souls. Art takes me where I need to be, even at the times when I don't know where I'm going. Talk to me. fascinating artists about their journeys as makers, their discoveries along the way, and the wisdom they've gathered from practicing their craft. I'm your host, Kate Michael Gibson, and today I'm delighted to share with you the first half of my conversation with my co-producer, longtime collaborator, and dear friend, Jeremy Williams. We reflect on 10 years of Convergence's Theater Collective and 20 years of collaborative friendship, including how we met, our early years of making work together, and how CTC and Questioning Artists came to be. Let's jump right in. You were the first person I went to, and I was like, oh my god, we're turning 10. Kate, how did that happen? That was not a goal. It's been such an incredible year of exploring this question of, like, how how did this happen? (laughs) How did we get to be 10 years old? And and what have we done in those 10 years? And um, it's honestly a little mind-blowing just to really look back and realize certain certain moments where things entered into my identity as an artist or uh, new information came to light that um, guided my path in a different little shift or whatever. But this overarching, just having learned so much and experienced so many rewarding artistic and personal moments with this incredible beautiful menagerie of other artists and collaborators who have helped me along the way learn things and make things and who have been there to play with and and to grow with. It's such a privilege, really, and a dream come true, honestly. I mean, I remember being a little kid, or not a little kid, but especially as an adolescent and like getting into learning about, you know, Dorothy Parker and the Algonquin Circle or, you know, the artists in Paris at different times that were these kind of enclaves of creative minds that were all doing their thing. And that I always kind of had that artistic ambition to be a part of something like that, a part of a group of brilliant people doing cool stuff, you know, making authentic and beautiful and interesting art. And, I, you know, who knows how to do that? You can't, like, contrive to do that, really. It's, it's just something that has to kind of organically arise. And um, we live in a different age, too. And the beautiful thing about CTC is it has that element of non-locality and that we're all still connected, but um, that we're not beholden to a certain time and place. And so there's the fluidity there, and there's possibility that's born out of that. What a learning curve. (laughs) 
<laughs> what a 20 year learning curve. No, I was just telling my mom that it was about to be mine and Jeremy's 20th anniversary. So January of 99, wasn't it? That's what I thought. Yeah, I can't oh, believe that's those 20 years. I know, it's, it's, a, tr- it's a total trip. <laughs> Thinking back on that, like that was kind of crazy. I kind of feel like I started at rehearsal. <laughs> right. So you and I and the other stage assistant stage manager were really the only students on that team except for the props designer, who was also a graduate student. We were undergrads, and then everyone else was faculty. And so many delightful moments in rehearsal. I remember in particular there was this one insane moment that happened on stage and you and I were sitting at the stage management table together, and we just looked at each other like, oh, my God, that totally just happened. Yes. <laughs> oh, we both, okay, yeah, we're on the same page here. It was, but it, it was, it, in a way, we were kind of thrown into this little bit of an, of an impossible situation. A non-communicating creative team, huge cast, some of which had some people who had never really been on stage before. Surely not in Seeds and Shakespeare, you know. Yeah, in a huge house. From rehearsals to crazy tech to opening, and, you know, we think we're all the way through it. And, and then we have this one matinee. <laughs> oh, the matinee that will live in infamy. In Indeed. And, you know, I mean, Memory. we had become friends at that point. I remember hanging out. Like, we had, we had, like, pierced the bubble of, like, oh, my God, this is crazy. To, like, oh, my God, this is crazy. We need to go talk about this outside of <laughs> We should have a drink. Mm. Yeah, we should have a drink. We should. Oh, my goodness. But, the, you know, the first moment I really remember us, like, actually collaborating was in that school matinee uh, because we had to, the, the performance needed to be cut down from about a three-hour to about a two-hour. And we mm-hmm. had done a quick read-through of the cut beforehand, but never really did it. We didn't rehearse the cut. We, didn't do, we certainly didn't do, didn't do it for time. And um, I remember sitting in the booth and realizing after intermission uh, that we were not going to get through this in time and that students mm-hmm. would be leaving, that busloads of students would be just standing up and <laughs> walking out. And, I, you know, my first thought was like, oh, what a shame for, you know, of course, for the artists on stage, it's never fun to have people walk out, but you would understand. I mean, it's not like you're assuming that they all hate it, like. Right. right, but I was more worried about the audience. You know that they would, this young audience would have a terrible experience of theater. They would ha- they would leave before it was finished, and and that might be their first experience of theater, and it would be negative. It's like, oh my goodness, right? And especially with Shakespeare, I mean, that kind of reinforces the whole like, oh, Shakespeare is hard. You know, I mean, if you leave in the middle of a show, that's really going to be problematic for your understanding of of that play. <laughs> Right, exactly, and the likelihood of you going and figuring it on your own. So I felt this pressure to, like, no, we, we at, least, at least need to get through the story so that we have this sense of, like, getting through it together and, you know, that there's this great celebration at the end. And so really wanting to get that. And, you know, you and I, we didn't, I didn't even know what a dramaturg was at that point, you know. I don't think I did either. Maybe. I'd heard that word a little bit, but I never worked with one. So you and I just went to town cutting this script in real time, yeah. collaborating <laughs> to make sure that we could get the story in, all the highlights, main points, and, and have a good experience. And I just remember being about five to six pages ahead in the script, calling cues, 
oh, yeah. know, on my left hand and on my right hand having the script moving forward and going through with you on the headset and going, okay, let's cut this and this and this. What do you think about this? Does this make sense? Does this make sense? Okay, great. And then telling the other stage manager to go get other actors ready on deck. And then we were giving them their prompt. We were giving them live cut. I would call the stage right, the stage manager area and be like, okay, we're going we're gonna to go from the top of your speech. We're going to cut all this and go to the, just these last lines before you exit. You got that? Makes sense? Okay, great. Go. <laughs> right. Those actors were such troopers. Oh, my God. Well, they were down, you know, and I didn't realize, yeah. honestly, I realized how much they trusted us until that moment. Like, I knew that they knew that, you know, as their management team, yeah. that we had their best interests at heart in terms of safety and in terms of, you know, kind of pragmatic things. But, like, artistically, mm-hmm. they really trusted us to, like, help navigate that story. Um, yeah. So we could tell it together. And we did, you know, and it was when it was one of those, wild moments of, you know, as you like it, um, abridged. <laughs> right, right. And we got them out on time, or like what? Yeah, we got them out on time, and everyone had a good time. Yeah, that was our, yeah, I hadn't thought about it until we started talking about having this conversation and how we started collaborating, and it was like, well, I, did, I wasn't, I hadn't thought about it in that framework, but that's certainly what that was, you know, it was a, a need-based emergency collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out we were really good at it. <laughs> yeah, it turns out we're really good at cutting on the fly without cutting out major plot moments or character development. <laughs> <laughs> or theatricality, right? It wasn't like we just buzzed through it. We kept the acting and the, you know, the storytelling. Yeah. But yeah. condensing, you know, getting to what's essential, you know, which I think has really defined our relationship over all of these years. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Get what's essential. That's become a thing over the years. That is what is essential. You know, that comes up. You know, I think that so many great ideas. As a theater maker, I think one of the things that I'm always looking for in collaborators is this shared sensibility. The foundation of theatrical storytelling must be based on necessity. What must be here? Now, our cut did not win us, you know, all the, you know, it won us some points. But it didn't win us all the points. <laughs> really ruffled a few feathers with that. Oh, a few, but you know, sometimes you gotta break some eggs. That's part of, I guess, trusting in the process at times. But sometimes that feels very high stakes, you know. Um, admittedly, that's one of the more high stakes moments I've ever experienced in that way. You know, usually there's mm-hmm. a lot more time to be the editor and dramaturg. There's a lot more time to kill your darlings if you have to because of time constraints or whatever. But but it was kind of a wonderful trial by fire in a way, too. And I feel like a lot of my undergrad experience and my training had to do with that, um, you know, DIY kind of sensibility. And not that that show was that, but a sense of, of really taking ownership of, your own artistry or your own role in the in the theater, whatever it was, you know, and really um, doing that to the best of your ability because you, well, for me, I'll just speak for myself, like there is a desire to bring your best to the group and trust that everybody else is doing the same. Another thing that I think that is just really important about that kind of early experience for, both, for me personally and then that has, you know, really supported our relationship working 
together is like the need to communicate, like how to not end up in this situation again, how to not end up in front of an audience with not enough time, like with too much material and not enough time. Major lesson, like how can we never do this again? <laughs> how can we right. support planning and rehearsing and working with the working with our available resources? You know, it's not a problem to cut something because there's time, you know, time limitations. Right. What a great creative challenge. It inspired the desire to find a better way to collaborate. Well, I think that the word collaboration is really strong, and many of our, our guests this season mentioned that. I, I think of Naja in particular when she said how, you know, she's always collaborating. Like, she's not doing theater unless she's collaborating. But if I'm not actually listening to my colleagues and responding and letting my imagination blend with theirs, then we're not really collaborating in my part. You know, we're working together, and that's mm-hmm. fine, but you know, we're not really making, we're not working towards the same end. You know, it's not a shared artistic vision. It might be a piece, a product. We did get a really beautiful production of, of As You Like It Up. We were separate ways for a while. That was certainly before, like, you know, digital, like Facebook, things like that, mm-hmm. or texting even, right? We're not texting. Right. And it was so fun, like somehow, you know, we, we managed to stay in contact through all of our journeying and traveling. We did, yeah. It was, you know, even in the days of the, the landline or early cell phone, we managed to stay in touch re- relatively regularly, you know. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. You know, one of the things that I just share so much about our, our relationship is during that time, you know, we were sharing artistic ideas, but, you know, we were really sharing in one sense, like, what we were doing, right, so we were processing with each other, we were just working so much. Um, yeah. And wearing so many different hats. The range of experience was huge. Just having someone to talk to about that. <laughs> it was so helpful. Yeah. <laughs> All those trying years. Yeah, true. Trying things out. So nice to hear what you were trying out. Yeah, because I was, Similarly, wearing a lot of different hats to see which ones I liked the best. You know, I was performing, but I was also doing production management, stage management, and occasionally, you know, oh, I'll do costume design for this little weird show that we're making. Because I did a lot of student-produced theater for about those five years that I was in school. And uh, you got creative because there were limitations on the resources, you know. So I learned a lot about, well, what was essential? Because you had to make choices. There was a lot of crying out. And it was, I felt like kind of equally divided for me between being like a performing artist interpreter because we weren't making new work. And then being a technical artist as far as being, you know, really learning more about producing and about management. And that those skills are invaluable because honestly, they have served me in every other thing that I've done, you know. So I'm really grateful for that time and that training. Certainly having somebody to bounce things off of and go, where are you with life and what's going on? Or just tell your latest, like, little battle story from the world that you're living in, whatever, doing your art. There's always, to me, something, like, wonderful and juicy and thrilling about being a part of making theater and um, being able to share the joys and the frustrations of that with someone that knows you well and, you know, has been, if not right by your side doing things, at least in a parallel track doing their thing. And I think, you know, that came up a lot in these talks, too, about having collaborators that 
not only inspire you to do your best and to push yourself, but also help you check yourself when you're getting a little off track or you're, you know, too in your own navel about things or whatever. Absolutely. Just to have some perspective and yeah. broad perspective, not just like, again, not the singular perspective of this. I'm speaking from one place. It's like multiplicity of perspective. You know, I remember leaving, I had been at Actors Theater of Louisville for a couple of seasons and that was a huge learning experience for me amazing but that that institution was going under a lot of change when i was there artistic leadership changed as i was coming in and and, um they were really great at actors theater and created a position for me and i worked doing all kinds of production stuff i worked in the costume shop i did crafts i you know did not really know how to sew and they gave me a job sewing (laughs) okay but they really made a, a space for me at that theater and i could do all these different things and then could also movement sometimes, choreograph, which was really great. I knew that at that point that I was really wanting to focus more on choreography moving forward. I remember just really being burned out. I mean, we, we produced over 30 shows a season at that time. And and, and, and talking to a, a company member, just saying, you know, I don't, I don't think that this scale of theater is for me. Uh, oh, Jeremy, I don't know. Annie Hodap. Annie Hodap. The name and uh, great senior actor and choreographer and delightful human. And she just looks at me and she's like, what are you talking about? That's ridiculous. <laughs> she was like, I think that maybe you should think not necessarily about the scale of the theater, but who are you working with? Good advice. Yeah, it was just like, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And, you know, and at the time, I, I, I was so wrapped up in what I was doing. You know, I thought it was all about the what, the what kind of production, what style, what is my role. You know, I was not really thinking about the who. But that, you know, that prompt from Annie really got me thinking, you know, as, as I left Actors Theater and you know, started a, a dance company right after that and, and started directing and creating work, my own work. And when I started collaborating creatively, you know, again, it was nice. But it, was, it really started, it was 100% about the who. And not in like who's the best person, but who like who who do I want to play with? Who, who do I want to who do I want to imagine things? Who do I want to dream with? Yes, that's a really great way to put it. I think that was part of my journey during my years after I graduated and moved to Austin and was doing a lot of performance work and a lot of Shakespeare, and it was wonderful. I mean, that was kind of one of my, you know, personal artistic goals was to do Shakespeare professionally. But I was also learning at the time, I was becoming more of a writer, and and I started collaborating with my best friend, Rosalind, doing screenplays and finding that, like, oh, I have more to say. And, of course, those years include the beginnings of CTC, and so... It was a similar thing of sort of like loving being in the Shakespeare Company and loving my colleagues and working in that way with that material, but at a certain point, seeing the limitations of a traditional company structure and the traditional way that a play gets made, and I guess on on some some level, asking myself the same question, who do I want to play with? Who do I want to make work with? How do I want to make work? And as as we got to the place where CTC started to be born and I started to really learn more about devising new work, then that just felt like such a level up for me personally and artistically that I didn't, I don't, I can't imagine going back to doing theater the way that I was originally trained. 
the way theater has been made in America for generations, you know. <laughs> you know, I didn't even really know about new work. You know, I did. I mean, I was very fortunate in that I did a lot of new work growing up. I mean, like, theater experiences were about devising, you know, with an ensemble. I didn't know that word. I didn't know that's what we were mm-hmm. doing. And then, you know, as, as I was out in the world and working in equity theaters, and I was really excited kind of by, like, more structure, more formalism with it, you know, I, I got really confused when I remember <laughs> doing a production. I had an idea or I had a, I can't remember what it was. I had a question or an idea and I, I, I raised my hand in rehearsal and, and asked and the director was just like, literally said, you're not paid to think. Oh, just do the choreography. And I was like, oh, that's not the kind of scene that I want to be doing. <laughs> And so ending up at Actors Theater for a while as a humanist festival of New American plays. You know, I started working on all these plays, and but like so much of my resume was unrecognizable. It was like, well, what are these shows? Yeah. No one recognizes these things. And I, I remember seeing a stage manager's uh, resume, and on the top she wrote under stage manager specializing in the creation or development of new plays. And I was like, oh, oh, you can specialize in that? Right. <laughs> oh, I don't want to specialize in. Oh, I have specialized in that. Oh, how interesting. And that's you know, I like the thinking part of it. I like the imagination part. You know, I like being challenged. At, you know, no matter what the role, and you know, I think it always depends on the team. You know, that that also being said, I've also been in the room as a wardrobe person and had a director ask me, well, what do you think about that bit of blocking there? You know, not to say that all theater, but it really depends on who. But I got really, you know, after I left Actors Theater, you know, I, got, I just got really on this track of making my own work. And it was so great to find you there also. And then and just a bunch of other people. You know, we started working long distance. You know, we both worked long distance. I guess one of the first pieces that we did professionally at, uh, at the Arkansas Art Center Children's Theater, they were opening a new space and wanted, they have a huge um, visual art gallery, contemporary art gallery there in the art center and they wanted to um, use some of the visual work as inspiration for, for a, a piece. I went, I worked with the curators there and we picked four Red Room paintings um, out of a series and we did all the planning long distance and this is before Google Docs. I mean, the, the composer was mailing me cassette tapes <laughs> to play. I, I remember I had to go buy it. I didn't have a stereo to play cassette tapes at that point. It was like, oh man. <laughs> During that time, it was kind of like pre-convergences, you know, working still at the same volume, I have to say. I mean, we are turning out, I'm turning out so much new work, you know, mostly in Louisville, but also in Little Rock and also traveling and, you know, was kind of building up several different sets of collaborative relationships. And it was so wonderful for you to like, you know, think about off the wall like that, you know, you, you wrote some really great poetry. Yeah, that was a fun piece. It was, it, it's always an interesting thing to me to have someone ask you to do something really specific because there's automatically these kind of like creative limitations, which then kind of guide you, you know, they start the engine running because you know where you can't go. That was probably one of my first, I'm thinking, thinking, but you know, other than like making things as a kid or whatever, I think that was one of probably the first time I really wrote anything for theater. But yeah, I certainly found that I loved making work in that way or that there was something really gratifying about having 
more of a contributing role in, in the whole creation process, not just the performance or not just the, the writing or, you know, having a more holistic relationship to the whole thing, mm-hmm. to the whole process of producing work. That, you know, it kind of hits all the buttons for me creatively. Sure. I, I mean, I've, I've decided it to be fun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I have a writer friend who, who she describes writing as playing in the sandbox. And I'm like, yeah, it's that level of like, see what we can make. You know, it's, it's, there's, a, there's a level of carefreeness that can come with it. Not that you don't care about what you're doing, but that you can get closer to that sort of childlike place of play that's just free and really beautiful and full of potential. <laughs> I guess jumping forward a few years from that, you know, I went to graduate school at Naropa University and um, the MFA and contemporary performance there was all about new work. I mean, it's why I went there. It's like one of the only places in the country that was, this program was solely focused on creating new work and really creating new work at, this, at the intersection of theater and dance and looking at non-traditional playwriting modalities. You know, that was something I didn't consider myself a playwright. I'd actually written several plays at that point. You know, you embraced your writer, your writer self much earlier than I did. Like, I would sneak writing in. Like, I would, you know, we'd be working on a piece all together, and I'd be like, oh, this needs some work. You know? And then I realized on one, on one piece that I had actually written it all, and it's like, oh, I should probably take credit for that, just in case it's bad. Like, <laughs> <I should. laughs> and, you know, and so, you know, I was really excited to go to Naropa and dive into more of this compositional way of working. You know, working with bodies in space, ideas, image, movement, as well as text. And right after I graduated, I, I'm sure it wasn't like this in my memory it's like this, but it felt like the minute that I was done with graduate school, which was a two-year intensive, I had these people calling that I had been working with previously, previous to going to grad school, going like, okay, great, you're done, now what? Are you going to make another company? Are you going to make another company? Make another company. And I was mm-hmm. just like, no way. <laughs> you people lost your mind? A company? Like, where? Because at this point, I mean, you were in Texas, there were people in Louisville, there were people in Arkansas, there were people in New York, there were people in California. I mean, there were, no one was in one place. And not everyone knew each other either, which was interesting. I was just like, okay. I remember talking to Teresa Harrison. We were walking in, in Boulder, and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about this company thing. I was like, maybe a collective. Oh, I like that. I like that. We're all just converging. We're converging into a collective. And she was like shoving her fingers together, like um, knitting them together, like her knuckles together and flipping her hands inside out. <laughs> like it's this, there's this very visceral moment of like, yes, all these different people and ideas converging. Convergences. We should be convergences collective. Yeah. Yes, that <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> And Tara had introduced me to this amazing woman, Peggy Firestone, uh, who's a creative, brilliant inspiration of a human. A lot of her work has been focused on uh, in the world of psychology. She and Tara were friends, and she had come to see a piece in Europa, and she's like, you know, I'm toying with this play. It's based on this ancient Sumerian myth. Oh, I love myths. It's great. <laughs> and, you know, so 
at the, kind of at this moment of like thinking about a collective and thinking about, you know, what to do, you know, this, this opportunity just kind of came up to do this piece, you know, it's like, great, well, let's try, let's try to workshop a piece together. And, you know, you, you came up from Texas and pulled a bunch of folks together. We all converged. We had people from Chicago we come in. We all converged in Boulder and had a really big pre-production period, you know, really working out some design and music. We had live music, and then we did a, a week of rehearsal and staging. It's a big cast, 12 people or something, 10 or 12, plus four musicians playing live, you know, fully staged. <laughs> yep. But books in hand, right? And so I thought, yeah, you know, it was, um, I like staged readings, but they're so limited for me as a creator to yeah. understand what's happening. I'd rather play in space a bit. That was an amazing group of people. And, like, making sound effects. I remember we had, like, water and some other interesting kind of non-traditional instrumental things that we were using to make sound. And mm-hmm. we did a lot of that show. We did. I forgot about all this. I mean, we just brought so many different artists to the table, and it worked. You know, kind of unlike what we were talking about earlier with the Shakespeare Project that we first met on, like, this one worked. And mm-hmm. then we were all together to realize this vision, to ask questions about this artistic vision and to tell the story. Talking about all the things that we had, but they were all essential to the storytelling. We didn't, in fact, we cut a bunch of stuff. That was frustrating mm-hmm. for me, actually. We cut a bunch of visual stuff because it just didn't work. It wasn't essential. Yeah, I remember yeah. that now. Oh. You know, we worked hard on this, but I think this needs to go. <laughs> and, you know, that was a challenging moment for me. I was like, man, we have worked so hard on this. I cannot believe we're cutting all of this stuff. Pay it's hard when those moments come in. up. But it was totally the right decision. I mean, yeah, yeah. It was not a demoralizing moment for the ensemble, for the team. It really congealed what was working. And that was our first official Convergences project, July 2008. It just happened with a bang, and then we were off. I mean, we had two shows in the Boulder Fringe in August. <laughs> We had a meeting together in Milwaukee, a training session that Rebecca <laughs> Holder put together. Yeah, me and you and Raven and Kate Cole Amory and Krista Ray. We all converged in Milwaukee with some folks there, the university, to have a couple days around composition and physical training, exploration. Wonderful. That was a wonderful little get-together <laughs> training session. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot. It was because it was so cool because each each you know there were multiple uh, contributions as far as like leading or teaching or facilitating a piece of um, you know an exercise or, or or whatever and so it was really cool to get different perspectives from each leader in their own specialization. I have fond memories. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wonder what you say there about like different leaders. You know, I think that's critical to who we are at CTC is that, you know, there are a bunch of leaders. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We are a collective of independent producers. We're a collective of project visionaries. Like people have very specific individual visions. We all come with different sets of expertise that we're, you know, we're happy to share, but you know, the leadership is actually really interesting within CTC because it's not a, it's also not a traditional kind of leadership model. I mean, I'm, in, I'm technically in charge, but only because I'm in the center of the work, you know, as a, as a, as a hub of communication. That's the word I was exactly thinking. You're the hub, but that doesn't make you like some sort of 
king or <laughs> artistic director or, you know, boss of us all. It's not how it works with CTC. We still come together to work collaboratively, right? It's not the theater of the tours. We come together to, like, realize this vision, but we do it collectively. We, we do it in service of the story. We don't do it because of the, a cult of a person. You know, it's very funny, like, trying to explain my role as producing director of CTC. You know, I always say it is, like, I, I help set the artistic agenda like by listening, like what projects are out there, what do we want to do, and then match that up with resources, how can we do these things, put plans together. But it's never, like I've never presented a season or said, this is what we're doing. It's not how we work, and it's, it can be stressful sometimes, especially from like a, a maybe an outside perspective, like who are we? How do we talk about our work if we don't, you know, every other theater company puts a season out. Every year somebody's like, well, why don't we just set a season, advertise it? market it and I'm like because it won't happen <laughs> not the way that we work you know we really do work in that support proceeds movement and you know we don't we have not invested in like brick and mortar so we don't have our own space you know we're still very scattered all over the country mostly centralized in New York right over the past few years but you know we have projects happening all over the place and so you know to be able to set a season like that seems counterintuitive to our shared interests here, which is about developing new work. And developing new work takes time. There is another step. That much we know. There will always be another step. Oh, yeah. Do <laughs> <laughs> you want to throw out three uh, inspiring words for 2019? Inspiring words for 2019? Well, I don't have to be inspired. How about just three words <laughs> for 2019? You know, I had three words that kind of showed up in 2018 that I'm going to be bringing with me into 2019. Change, because change is always happening. <laughs> and resilience, you know, how we respond to this change and how we can support a sense of thriving, how we can be resilient in these times of change. And then celebration. You know, I think 2018 was a really challenging year for, for many of us, uh, certainly for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, needing to remind myself to celebrate, of course, the big stuff, but also celebrate incremental change and incremental success. You know, it's like how to practice what I preach. You know, I can do that in the studio. I can get really excited about small advances, but I'm trying to practice that in my everyday life also. Celebrate these small things that are working because uh, they are. Small things are working. Sometimes big things, but uh, so I think change, resilience, and celebration are my Three words for 2019. Great. I love it. Thank you so much for doing this, Jeremy. I really, um, I've been through, I wasn't sure whether we were going to get to do this episode. I've really been looking forward to it. So I'm, I'm so excited that we got to sit down and have this wonderful chat today. Me too. It's always, I mean, I, I, I love talking with you. I mean, you're one of my favorite people to talk with. You've been doing it for a million years now. And <laughs> I, I always learn more about you, about me, about our, our shared interests uh, through these conversations. So thank you for always being such a, an inspiring colleague and friend. It's never a dull moment. <laughs> Girl, right? <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, long distance high five. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks. You too. I'll talk to you soon. I want to give my deepest thanks to Jeremy, with whom I have shared my journey as an artist and maker for the past 20 years. It has been such a pleasure to reflect on our own experiences as artists and collaborators, as well as what we've learned from each of our amazing guests and other artists we've collaborated with along the way. 
A deep bow of gratitude to our contributing artists for realizing this dream of questioning artists with us. To Kate Jaworski, our theme music composer and performer, the piece you created moves me every time I hear it. To Natalie Loveland, our visual art contributor, your images and illustrations have elevated our show beyond my imagination. And to Kalita Davis, who helped us craft questioning artists' vision and questions, thank you for your brilliance and insights. Together we've made a podcast I'm very proud of. Also, a special thanks to each and every artist that has worked to help create, shape, and sustain Convergence's Theater Collective over the years. Reaching our 10th birthday is something we are delighted to share and celebrate with you. And to each of you listening, I wish you all the best this new year as you ask questions, make art, and create connections to bring more light into this world. Look for more questioning artists featuring a whole new group of inspiring, insightful, impassioned artists to be released later this year. And thank you for being part of the collective conversation.